Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. In the not-too-distant past, Jim, if I saw the Timberwolves start out trailing 19-4 to and looking like they didn't really know what was going on, I, I probably would have tuned out and watched something else the rest of the night. This year's team keeps coming, and then they just dominated the second half and blow out, really, a good Dallas team by 18 points. Another come-from-behind dominant win by the Wolves. On the road, and that's with Anthony Edwards trying to play through a hip pointer and shooting three for 19. Uh, <laughs> so they, their star didn't produce. They fell down 15 early. Uh, you know, they dominated really the last three quarters. Uh, and once again, they played really good defense. Luka got his, but mm-hmm. they didn't let anybody else beat him. Um, and and Nas Reed was spectacular. Nas Reed was absolutely spectacular. And, it, I mean, they're in they're two games into a 16-game stretch that very well could knock them off, you know, the number one seed in the NBA or in the Western Conference for at least at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. But I just think we've seen. I think that they survived this stretch. They're, they're going to be in the fight for, you know, a one or a two seed, uh, definitely home playoff series. Uh, which, you know, I mean, this is this is incredible stuff. Mm-hmm. No and, doubt. Uh, and you know, they're also dominating third quarters. Uh, which I think is a testament to uh, both really good coaching, player adaptability, adaptability, and the fact that Finch doesn't overcomplicate things. You know, if you overcomplicate things, it's really hard to fix in the in the midst of a game. Uh, Finch, you know, they do a lot of really cool things uh, in terms of uh, schemes, but they're not so difficult. They can't just make a quick adjustment at halftime. Say, okay, we're going to do this. The players can catch on right away and and come out and come out firing in the third quarter. Uh, so it's it's fascinating, really. You know, I mean, we know the Nuggets are great. We know the Lakers can be great when LeBron's playing a lot of minutes and Anthony Davis is, is you know, at his best. Uh, we know the Suns are really talented. We know Dallas is really talented in the backcourt. But, you know, there's there, other than maybe the Nuggets when they're playing their best, there's nothing close to a perfect team in the West. You know, the Wolves very well could stay in the fight for a long time for a top seed. Why not? And depth of talent. You know, when they signed Nas Reed in the offseason, I kind of thought, man, it seems like they've got a lot of money spent at the same two positions, the two bigs. But he has proven to uh, his worth already. Yes, and uh, and they really love having three bigs mm-hmm. who are versatile. Uh, you know, Gobert's a pure center. Towns could play center or power forward. And he kind of plays like a small forward on offense often. Uh, Nas Reed is, can play st- you know he's not a great defensive center, but he can play defensive center if you need him to. Uh, when Cowens goes to center, he's an ideal offensive four, and then on offense he plays like a shooting guard. Mm-hmm. You know he plays like a six eleven shooting guard. He's spectacular handle, spectacular finishes. Uh, he made seven three pointers last night. Uh, he's you know once again uh, this they are proving this year that Connelly and Finch know what they're doing. Uh, they have built a really strong. 10-deep roster. A lot of the guys who got a lot of play time last year because of all the injuries aren't even sniffing the court because yeah. they, their top 9 or 10 are so solid. Um, this is a, a well-put-together team. No doubt. And uh, uh, the third quarter thing for the Wolves has been a real thing uh, all year. They have controlled play in the third quarter, one of the best third-quarter teams in the entire league. That's got to speak right to Finch and his ability to make adjustments, doesn't it? To Finch, adjustments, and also roster capabilities. Uh, because 
you know, he has a defensive stopper in his starting five with Jaden McDaniels. He's a defensive stopper in his second five with Alexander Walker. That means when McDaniels is out, Alexander Walker is able to play that role very well. But when McDaniels is back, he has guys he can stick on a hot scorer. We're just, you know, you are either going to help shut that player down or make their offense less efficient while that person gets their points. Again, Doncic was great last night. He's, he's a spectacular player. 39 points, 13 assists. But when you beat a team by whatever it was um, who has a player scoring like that, it means you kind of did what you wanted to do. You kept other people from getting hot. You kept them, the, you know, you restricted ball movement. You made it hard for them as a team, even if it looked easy for one individual. Three for 19. So the guy that takes the most shots in the game for you can't throw it in the ocean. And you still blow out a good team on their home floor. Uh, it, it's uh, there's so many good signs coming here through this portion of the season of the Timberwolves that make it appear as though they're going to be there, like you just referenced not long ago, right to the end. Yeah, uh, I just think everything's going. And listen, uh, you know, we always have the asterisk to every sports conversation. If healthy, yep. the cool thing about this group is they really haven't been that healthy, and they still have the best record in the NBA. Uh, they've missed Edwards. They've missed. Uh, you know they've missed McDaniel's. Uh, they've have had other minor injuries, so they have. You know they basically their best players have been relatively healthy. Well, I can even say that Anthony Edwards has been out uh, and dealing with stuff. So I think the best might be yet ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, again, if they can survive the next fourteen games, and I think they're good enough to be able to do that. Uh, boy, the path really opens up after that. No doubt. Uh, Vikings tomorrow in Cincinnati, the battle of backups, number four uh, for the Vikings with uh, Nick Mullins, just the second one uh, for uh, Cincinnati. But, uh, you know, each team has found some success with their backup QBs here. Yeah, and uh, Browning has been really good. We'll see how long that lasts, but he's been really good. And the Vikings, uh, ESPN had a stat. I can't take credit for it. Uh, The Vikings, no non-strike, no Modern NFL team in a non-strike year has ever won four games with four different starting quarterbacks in like whatever it's been a seven-week stretch. The Vikings are trying to do that on in, on Saturday in Cincinnati. I'll be there for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good thing is, it would be history if they could do that. Um, the bad thing is, it's history because it's almost impossible to do. Uh, and Mullins is up against it. He's making his first start in a long time. They won't have Brian O'Neill. They won't have Alexander Madison. We don't know how healthy Justin Jefferson will be, although it certainly looks like he's going to try to play. You're playing on the road, cold weather, good team, well-coached team. Uh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, there's more to the Bengals than just Joe Burrow. You know, when you have one of those marquee franchise top five quarterbacks, everybody wants to talk about him and every win or loss is is directly the result of him. But they have a good roster over there. Um, they've got Mixon who can run. They've they've got some, uh, you know, solid linebacking core and and so forth. The Bengals have a pretty good team. They do. Their defense has been off this year, but they're starting to get that back on track. Uh, Jamar Chase is one of the five best receivers in the NFL. Uh, they have receiving depth. Mixon is still a load to bring down. They have a good offensive line. Um, they're well coached. Uh, and, you know, the Vikings, you would think that the Vikings would be catching them at the right time without Joe Burrow, but they're actually playing better now than they were playing earlier in the season. I still think Joe Burrow's great. I still think he's one yeah. of the three best quarterbacks in the league, but it's, it is impressive that their organization, because their organization not long ago was just 
terrible. Yeah. And ever since they drafted Burrow and he started making some of their other high draft picks look good, all of a sudden they look like a model franchise. Trey Hendrickson is a beast for them at yep. uh, defensive end. Do they move him around, do you know, or is he pretty much right defensive end or left side? I think it goes game to game. I remember watching some playoffs it's for them, and I think he he lines up there most of the time, but I think if they find a certain matchup, they'll move him around. Uh, who do you like, Bengals or Vikings? Uh, under these circumstances, I like the Bengals. Mm-hmm. I just think the Vikings are, you know, again, number four quarterback, um, your your star right tackle who wasn't playing well the last couple of games, but he's out. Um, you know, I don't know how much you're going to gather Justin Jefferson. Uh, Madison was just starting to play well. Ty Chandler has not been good since his kind of coming out game about a month and a half back. Uh, and to me, everything points, and this is franchise typically does not play very well in cold weather. Mm-hmm. So to me, all the logical indicators tell me that the Bengals are going to win. Now, it's, 20, it's the NFL and it's 2023, and it feels like every other game is an upset. So I wouldn't bet a dollar on the Bengals, but if I have to pick one, I'm going to pick the Bengals right now. What what happened last night that Aiden O'Connell suddenly looked like a Pro Bowl cornerback? <laughs> they put seven offensive touchdowns on the board, two defensive, after getting shut out by the Vikings the week before. Anybody who can bet on NFL games and win uh, has to be some kind of a genius. I don't know how you would do that. Yeah, and, and, and really, culmination of a lot of really interesting things. Number one, it does point out that the Flores and the shutout, uh, the Vikings shutout, it's, even if you think you're playing against a bad team, it still is incredible to shut a team out, especially on the road in pristine conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it heightens the achievement of getting of shutting that team out. Uh, it, it reminds us that the Raiders do have offensive talent. Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs are right up there at the top of their positions. Um, and it also tells you that Brandon Staley, you know, former St. Thomas assistant, cool guy in a lot of ways, he's not an NFL head coach. Yeah. He's just not. Uh, they have just... They have star-caliber talent on that roster, and they play like idiots. Already reporting here as Jim and I are talking uh, before a, a quarter to one, not official, but reporting that he and the Chargers uh, GM have been fired today. Yeah, I think it's official now. It is, okay. He's actually put on a statement. Uh, and uh, Brandon Staley, you know, and a- any type of coach you hire could end up failing, but to me the riskiest guy to hire is the coordinator that you hire off a championship team because you don't know how much he actually had to do with the success. Yeah. Now, the Vikings hired the offense coordinator, and I think Kevin O'Connell has shown out to be a very good coach. Brandon Staley, defense coordinator of the same staff, uh, didn't know how to run a team. Yep, unfortunately. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Sue Ann. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Rambo pregame coverage for Cardinal basketball tonight at 7.